Chapter Twelve of Callista by John Henry Newman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A death. The first stages of repentance are but a fever in which there is restlessness and thirst, hot and cold fits, vague, dreary dreams, long darkness which seems destined never to have a morning, effort without result, and collapse without reaction. These symptoms had already manifested themselves in Agellius. He spoke calmly to Callista, and sustained himself by the claims of the moment, but no sooner had he left the room and was thrown upon himself than his self-possession left him, and he fell into an agony, or rather anarchy, of tumultuous feelings. Then rose up before his mind a hundred evil spectres, not less scaring and more real than the dreams of the delirious he thought of the singular favour which had been shown him in his reception into the christian fold and that at so early a date of the myriads all around who continued in heathenism as they had been born and of his utter insensibility to his own privilege he felt how much would be required of him and how little hitherto had been forthcoming he thought of the parable of the barren fig-tree and the question was whispered in his ear whether it would not be fulfilled in him he asked himself in what his heart and his conduct differed from the condition of a fairly virtuous heathen and then he thought of callista in contrast with himself as having done more with the might which she possessed than he had done with many pounds he felt that tyre and sidon were rising up against him in her person or rather how the saying seemed about to be verified in her that strangers should sit down in the kingdom from far countries while those who were the heirs should be thrust out he had been rebuked by one to whom he rather ought to have brought self-knowledge and compunction and she was sensitively alive to his want of charity she had felt bitterly that she was left in ignorance and sin by one who had what she had not she had accused him of being zealous enough to win her to himself when he had shown no zeal at all to win her to her maker if she was brought to the truth at length there would be no thanks to him for the happy change yet on the other hand though he had predicted it alas was it likely that it would be granted had she not had her opportunity which was lost because he had not improved it yes she had with a deliberate mind and in set words put aside and taken leave of that which she once desired and hoped might have been her own sorrowfully indeed but peremptorily as firmly persisting in rejecting it as she might have persisted in maintaining it and if she died in infidelity horrible thought would not the burden lie on him and was this to be the token of the love which he pretended to entertain for her what was he living for what was the work he had set himself to do did he live to plant flowers or to rear fruit to maintain himself and to make money was that a time to pride himself on vineyards and olive-yards when like eliseus he was one among myriads who were in unbelief ah the difference between a saint and him of what good was he on earth why should not he die why so cherry of his life why preserve his wretched life at all could he not do more by giving it than by keeping it might it not have been given him perchance for the very purpose that he might sacrifice it for him who had given it he had been timid about making a profession of his faith 
which might have led to prison and death but perhaps the very object of his life and the divine purpose the very reason of his birth had been that as soon as he was grown he should die for the truth he might have been cut off by disease he was not and why except that he might merit in his death and that what in the ordinary course of things was a mere suffering might in his case be an act of service his death might have been the conversion of thousands of callista and the fewness of his days here would have been his claim to a blessed eternity hereafter nor callista alone he had natural friends with nearer claims upon his charity had he been other than he was he might have prevailed with his uncle at least he might have taught him to respect the christian faith and name and restrained him from daring to attempt for he now saw that it was an attempt to seduce him into sin he might have lodged a good seed in his heart which in the hour of sickness might have germinated and his brother again had learned to despise him indeed he had raised in every one who came near him the suspicion that he was not really a christian that he was an apostate he could not help uttering a cry of anguish as he used the word an apostate from that which was his real life and supreme worship why did he not at once go into the basilica or the gymnasium and proclaim himself a christian there were rumours abroad that the new emperor was beginning a new policy towards his religion let him inaugurate it in agellius might he not thus perchance wash out his sin he would be led into the amphitheatre as his betters had been led before him the crowds would yell and the lion would be let loose upon him he would confront the edict tear it down be seized by the apparitor and hurried to the rack or the slow fire callista would hear of it and would learn at length he was not quite the craven and the recreant which she thought him then his thoughts took a turn callista what was callista to him why should he think of her when she was girding him to martyrdom was she to be the motive which was to animate him and her praise his reward alas alas could he gain heaven by pleasing a heathen but to whom then he continued am i to look up who is to give me sympathy who is to encourage to advise me oh my father pity me a feeble child a poor outcast wandering sheep away from the fold torn by the briars and thorns and no one to bind his wounds and retrace his steps for him why am i thus alone in the world why am i without a pastor and guide ah oh, was not this my fault in remaining in sicca i have no tie here let me go to carthage or to tagasta or to madura or to hippo i am not fit to walk the world by myself i am too simple and am no match for its artifices here another thought took possession of him which had as yet but crossed his mind and it made him colour up with confusion and terror they were laying a plot for me he said my uncle and aristo and it is callista who has defeated it and as he spoke he felt how much he owed to her and how dangerous too it was to think of his death yet it would not be wrong to pray for her she had marred the device of which she was to have been the agent la queus contritus est et nos liberati sumus the net was broken and he was delivered she had refused his devotion that he might give it to his god and now 
he would only think of her and whisper her name when he was kneeling before the blessed mary his advocate oh that that second and better eve who brought salvation into the world as our first mother brought death oh that she might bear callista's name in remembrance and get it written in the book of life it was high noon and all this time agellius was walking in his present excited mood without covering to his head under the burning rays of the sun not knowing which way he went and retracing his steps as he wandered about at random with a vague notion he was going homewards the few persons whom he met creeping about under the shadow of the lofty houses or under the porticoes of the temples looked at him with wonder and thought him furious or deranged the shafts of the sun were not so hot as his own thoughts or as the blood which shot to and fro so fiercely in his veins but they were working fearfully on his physical frame though they could not increase the fever of his mind he had come to the forum the market people were crouching under their booths or the shelter of their baskets the riff-raff of the city who lived by their wits or by odd jobs or on the windfalls of the market lazy fellows who did nothing who did not move till hunger urged them like the brute half-idiotic chewers of opium ragged or rather naked children the butcher-boys and scavengers of the temples lay at their length at the mouth of the caverns formed by the precipitous rock or under the arch of triumph or amid the columns of the gymnasium and the heracleum or in the doorways of the shops a scattering of beggars were lying poor creatures on their backs in the blazing sun reckless of the awful maladies the fits the seizures and the sudden death which might be the consequence numbers out of this mixed multitude were asleep some were looking with dull listless eyes at the still scene or at any accidental movements which might vary it they saw a figure coming nearer and nearer and wildly passing by just then agellius was diverted from his painful meditations by hearing one of these fellows say to another as he roused from a sort of doze that's one of them we know them all but very poor pickings can be got out of them but he has more than most they're a low set in sicca and then the man cried out look sharp young chap the furies are at your heels and the fates are going before you look there at the emperor he is looking at you as grim and sour as you could wish him he spoke of the equestrian statue of severus before the basilica on the right and attracted by his words agellius went up to a board which was fixed to its base it was an imperial edict and it ran as follows canaeus trajanus decius augustus and quintus herennius etruscus decius caesar emperors unconquerable and pious by united council these whereas we have experienced the benefits and the gifts of the gods and do also enjoy the victory which they have given us over our enemies and moreover salubrity of seasons and abundance in the fruits of the earth therefore acknowledging the aforesaid as our benefactors and the providers of those things which are necessary for the commonwealth we make this our decree that every class of the state freemen and slaves the army and civilians offer to the gods expiatory sacrifices falling down in supplication before them 
and if any one shall presume to disobey this our divine command which we unite in promulgating we order that man to be thrown into chains and to be subjected to various tortures and should he thereupon be persuaded to reverse his disobedience he shall receive from us no slight honours but should he hold out in opposition first he shall have many tortures and then shall be executed by the sword or thrown into the deep sea or given as a prey to birds and dogs and more than all if such a person be a professor of the christian religion farewell and live happy the old man in the fable called on death and death made his appearance we are very far indeed from meaning that agellius uttered random words or spoke impatiently when he just now expressed a wish to have the opportunity of dying for the faith nevertheless what now met his eyes and was transmitted through them sentence by sentence into his mind was not certainly of a nature to calm the tumult which was busy in breast and brain a sickness came over him and he staggered away the words of the edict still met his eyes and were of a bright red colour the sun was right before him but the letters were in the sun and the sun in his brain he reeled and fell heavily on the pavement no notice was taken of the occurrence by the spectators around him they lazily or curiously looked on and waited to see if he would recover how long he lay there he could not tell when he came to himself if it could really be said to be coming to himself to have the power of motion and an instinct that he must move and move in one direction he managed to rise and lean against the pedestal of a statue and its shade by this time protected him then an intense desire came upon him to get home and that desire gave him a temporary preternatural strength it came upon him as a duty to leave sicca for his cottage and he set off he had a confused notion that he must do his duty and go straight forward and turn neither to the right nor the left and stop nowhere but move on steadily for his true home but next an impression came upon him that he was running away from persecution and that this ought not to be and that he ought to face the enemy or at least not to hide from him but meekly wait for him as he went along the narrow streets which led down the hill towards the city gate this thought came so powerfully upon him that at length he sat down on a stone which projected from an open shop and thought of surrendering himself he felt the benefit of the rest and this he fancied to be the calm of conscience consequent upon self-surrender and resignation it was a fruiterer's stall and the owner seeing his exhaustion offered him some slices of a watermelon for his refreshment he ate one of them and then again a vague feeling came on him that he was in danger of idolatry and must protest against idolatry and that he ought not to remain in the neighbourhood of temptation so throwing down the small coin which was sufficient for payment he continued his journey the rest and the refreshment of the fruit and the continued shade which the narrow street allowed him allayed the fever and for the time recruited him and he moved on languidly the sun however was still high in heaven and when he got beyond the city beat down upon his head from a cloudless sky he painfully toiled up the ascent which led to his cottage he had nearly gained the gate of his homestead he saw his old household slave born in his father's house a christian like himself coming to meet him a dizziness came over him 
he lost his senses and fell down helplessly upon the bank. End of chapter 12